0: In each episode, we discuss the process of decision making on a different topic. Rather than making recommendations because everyone's circumstances are different, we talk to subject matter experts about how they would recommend thinking about that decision. My name is Mike Blake, and I'm your host for today's program. I'm a director at Brady Ware Company, a full service accounting firm based in Dayton, Ohio, with offices in Dayton, Columbus, Ohio, Richmond, Indiana, and Alpharetta, Georgia, which is where we are recording today. Brady Ware is sponsoring this podcast. If you like this podcast, please subscribe on your favorite podcast aggregator and please consider leaving a review of the podcast as well. Um, today we're going to talk about should your business buy its real estate? And you know, I, I, I'm prompted to this question because it comes up a lot. And interestingly enough, I'm actually seeing it come up more now with, with technology companies under the thesis that um, a technology company by acquiring hard assets in some way it makes makes itself less risky in front of an investor and potentially even a, a bank financing candidate. Now, I'm not a real estate expert at all. In fact, I'm a disaster at Monopoly. Both my kids wipe me out. And I think that's because I'm a technology guy, by the way, because I think in SaaS terms, so I'm always buying the utilities and the railroads because those are more kind of recurring revenue as opposed to, you know, idiosyncratic by landing in a hotel and boardwalk. Uh, but the problem is, and spoiler alert: if you do that Monopoly, you basically die a slow death to your children, uh, who do a victory dance over you. By the way, so uh, don't be like me in Monopoly. But anyway, real estate is is a different animal. I get asked about real estate a lot because I'm in the appraisal business, but I'm in the business appraisal business. Uh, again, I don't know anything about real estate. We lucked out when we got a good deal on our house, I truly mean that with no sense of humility whatsoever that is a as factual an assessment as as I, as I can offer but yeah you know, especially in a market where you have loose credit you have banks that very much want to lend um and, and and frankly you know we are especially in Atlanta a real estate town America's a real estate society in terms of investment the allure of of buying real estate can have a very strong pull but I'm not sure that that's necessarily the right thing to do for, for many companies. And so, uh, that's why I want to talk about this today, because I'll bet in the sound of my voice with somebody that's listening to this podcast today, somebody right now is looking at, they're either looking at buying real estate or they're going, why the heck did I buy that real estate? Now I've got this, this albatross around my neck. You know, what, what made me do that and how do I get out of that? And like I said, I'm not an expert on this. And for those of you who have been listeners to this podcast, you know that uh, I I know not a lot about much. And so I bring in subject matter experts to help us figure that out. And helping us today is my friend, James Pitts, who is CEO of Fractional Real Estate Development, or FRED. That is Fractional uh, Real
1: Estate Department.
0: Department, sorry. Department FRED a corporate real estate services firm designed to serve middle market companies that don't have a real estate department department but need one. Fred's team is made up of former heads and managers of corporate real estate for Coca-Cola, Ernst & Young, Wells Fargo, and AT&T with 30-plus years of experience in each. Fred doesn't do real estate transactions, but rather they provide analysis, strategy, and manage the client's process and brokers on behalf of the business. They get paid on a per-project basis, cost savings or retainer, and provide real estate expertise that can be trusted. Now, James himself is a 20-year corporate real estate professional with Jones Lang LaSalle, Grubb & Ellis, Johnson Controls, Global Workplace Solutions, and Sheraton Hotels. Most notably, James worked as Solutions Development Director at JCI Global Workplace Solutions, where he was responsible for the design of of global and regional corporate real estate outsourcing solutions for companies such as Motorola, Barclays, HP, SunTrust Banks, and HSBC with annual spends of $50 million to $500 million. So, yeah, he's an expert. James, thanks so much for coming on the program. Thanks, Mike. And in spite of my botching the name, I think that the name itself is just awesome, Fred. <laughs> and nobody's ever called a Fred anymore. Right. You don't meet meet very many Freds, right? But it just, it, 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 it's sort of just short and to the point and sounds very authoritative. Now, did you have Fred in mind and then you built the words around it or did you just put those words on papers? Hey, that spells Fred. Uh, uh,
1: the latter. Is it really? Mm-hmm.
0: So, my guess is one, both parts of your brain were working at that point. And they just sort of put it down on a piece of paper for you. So, so well done. That, that is, frankly, it's easier to remember than Brady Ware. So you'll get more mileage out of this podcast than I will most likely. Um, so, so James, you're obviously the resident expert on this, not just here, but just about any place you go.
1: Why do companies want to buy real estate when they're not in the business of real estate? Well, they typically want to buy it as an investment. Some see it as a hedge against risk. Um, some don't like the idea of paying rent and, want, and they want to build equity. All valid points, but just not that simple.
0: And and how compelling is that
1: argument that that real estate is an investment? It's real estate in a, in the nature of itself is an investment. The question is is whether it's a good investment depends on the goals and the needs of the investor and what their alternative investment options are. Uh, it's a good investment if the company does not have a better alternative for uh, investing its money. Also, a company has to ask itself if it's in the real estate business or, or if, if it's really going to be in its core business because real estate can really be a distraction to the core business. And I'd like to give you a quick example. Um, we had a client that we worked with for years, lost contact with. They went out and bought their own real estate, built a building, overpaid for land, uh, went through a business downturn, suddenly couldn't use all of the real estate. They were upside down in the, real, in, in the building and the land that they bought, um, and they uh, were trying to lease out the space and they had other businesses in their space and the CEO literally said I can't get any work done because I have all of these tenants so suddenly their core business was being distracted by the the real estate business
0: and, and you know I, I think that's important because on the outside looking in if you're not in real estate it it must look easy right you buy a property you own it you just sit back and you let the income roll in or Uh, let the savings roll in, and then at some point you sort of dispose of it. But as a homeowner, and not a very good one, by the way, it's amazing I still have all of my fingers, frankly. Um, Owning real estate, even very basic real estate, is an effort, and there's further costs and upkeep, right? So that doesn't go away just because now you own a factory or a warehouse or an office building,
1: Right. Well, yes, and so when the roof has a leak, that's on you. When you have the HVAC, HVAC system go out, that's now on the business. So suddenly you're instead of making a phone call, you're managing that, paying for that, checking on that, and just dealing with that. So, we talked a little bit about what are the
0: what are the reasons for wanting to own real estate? What conditions typically lead to a company finding that real estate ownership is beneficial to them. What does a company kind of look like that that is a good candidate for that?
1: Well, um, for exa- example, you have a specialized use. So maybe you need land or maybe you need a certain bi- uh, building that unless you own it, the landlord will not let you perform your operations that are core to your business. Um, let's say there's a specialized use of land or buildings that may require a large capital outlay to con- construct for instance, for, uh, instance uh, a movie studio with uh, purpose-built sound stages, water stage, back lots, et cetera, will want to own the real estate. Uh, we have a cl- we had a client from South Korea that needed to uh, test its rubber treads uh, on a proving ground. So imagine a Jeep um, uh, obstacle course, three, three acres next door. Buildings aren't designed – industrial buildings aren't designed to have like a three-acre – Playground next door, so they literally had to buy their property, uh, buy buy a, a building that actually, and then buy the land next door and build their proving ground. Otherwise, they wanted to lease; they didn't want to get into the ownership. But because of their use, no one would let them do that. All
0: right. So at some point, you got to be the person that gives yourself permission to do it. Right. So you exactly. have to own it in that case. Exactly. Right. So, um, you know, is there a in homeownership, there's a there's a rule of thumb that basically says unless you're going to unless you're going to be in the property for five, six years, don't buy because by the time you factor in all the transaction costs and so forth, it just doesn't make any sense, right? Keep on renting. Is there a similar rule of thumb timeframe in the commercial business area?
1: Well, um, real estate uh, cycles are typically seven to ten years long. Um, If you want to talk about that cycle, you have declining prices, rents, and construction. Uh, Then the next cycle, uh, that leads to absorption of excess supply. That leads to low vacancy, which leads to increasing prices and rents, uh, which leads to accelerated new construction. At some point, you get to, as you go around the circle, you get to oversupply, and then you have high vacancies, which is typically when you want to buy at the lower end of the cycle. Right now, in Atlanta, we're at the high end of the cycle. So... It's really a landlord and seller's market. So from a real estate cycle, if you're going to be in it at least seven to 10 years, and and we'll really talk about that probably in some of your other questions about the life cycle of a business as well. So I'm going to go off
0: script a little bit, but I, I think there's a question. I know it's a question I want to get out and I think it's going to be of a lot of interest, which is you know, as you walk in as the fractional real estate department for your clients, How much of that work is taking over the management of their properties and how much of it is reversing buyer's remorse and helping them kind of liquidate, you know, what have I done
1: uh, and sort of get rid of that? How often do you encounter that latter scenario? We're working with a um, client right now that the previous CEO leased three times as much space as they need. Um, they are actually laying off people right now while they spend an extra $250,000 a year in excess real estate costs. So sometimes the first thing you have to do is come in and do an analysis and then come back with a strategy of how do we fix what you've, what you've inherited. And and the previous CEO signed an 11 year lease. So they still have eight Oof. years of pain.
0: And uh, so I'll continue to go off the script, but uh, I got to follow that question up. So you know, in some cases, can you sub, can you, can you then lease that out to try to get out? you know, or
1: sublease it, something like that? You can sublet it, you can sell it. Um, You can try to work with the landlord to get out of it. The, the goal uh, for Fred is to keep people from making these sorts of costly mistakes Yeah, and the reduce, reduce the expense, increase the EBITDA um, and reduce risk. So, but what you find, and, and I used to manage some of the fortune 500 real estate portfolios when I was at JLL is that real estate's a hidden drag on on earnings. Um, and people just don't realize it and then even big companies make huge mistakes and and then that gets multiplied across portfolios and then everyone says, well, why are we doing this? Well, because everyone else did it and that's what it's always been. We've been in this position in this location for 20 years. And it doesn't really match anything that the the business is doing today.
0: And and, and do you find the businesses May think they know more about real estate than they do because they're good at the business, but real estate's just a different animal. Like I said, I'm a business appraiser, but I'm not a real estate appraiser. Is real estate just fundamentally a different animal?
1: Everyone other than you believes that because they bought a house, that they're a real estate mogul. So they believe that they know a lot more about real estate. It's something they don't deal with but every three to five years. And when you think about it, real estate is one of those commitments that a company makes that goes three to five years out most businesses can't see that far and who knows what your strategy or your operations or your sales are going to be in three to five years. And the real estate does not care.
0: No, it doesn't. Right. <laughs> I, I've, I've never seen the real estate says, Oh man, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. You know, the we'll, landlord, just let, yeah, the landlord we'll just let oh, you yeah. out.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Sorry. It, sorry. You guys put hit the reset. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, um, uh, getting back to the primary conversation. So, um, we're in a we're in a cheap money cycle right now. Fed's just lowered interest rates three times in the last three or four months or so. How much should that be a factor in driving the real estate purchase decision? I mean, on, on some level, obviously financing is cheaper, but is it is it that simple, or does that does that need to kind of be mixed in with some other considerations?
1: So, great um, question. Depends on the cycle. Uh, even before you get to that, you really have to look at: Does the company have excess cash that it can't really invest back in its operations? Um, does the company uh, does the, uh, are they stable? Like, have they grown to the point where they they aren't going to keep outgrow the space that they buy? Because why buy it if you are going to outgrow it? Now suddenly you are in the real estate business, um, and you know are you in some type of low margin business where you get a, a greater return by putting your money in the real estate? But let's talk about cheap money so the um uh the cheap money of the late 2007s and 2008 actually caused the uh the real estate bubble so um that that led to that balloon people bought early who bought early in the cycle did well people who came at the end with that cheap money and bought at the height of the cycle like we are now uh when, when pr- prices were inflated got hurt uh after the crash People – money tightened considerably and people with cash came back and bought things cheaply, sold as the market was coming back up, and now we're back toward the top of the market. So I'd say that the cheap money is there, but it could lead you into bad decisions.
0: So the cheap money – yeah. So the cheap money could be a sign, right, that maybe the timing is off. And again, I think that that requires a specific real estate expertise to really understand and and read the market, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Certainly, I can't do it. So – Um, now there's an argument out there that companies make that they want to, they want to own their real estate because it's a hedge against risk. Um, how do you respond to that? Is that often a reasonable argument or is that just somebody talking themselves into doing a real estate deal?
1: The latter. Is it? (laughs) It could be. So it depends on what risk you're worried about, right? So there's, there's, there's investment risk and there's business risk. So if you have a basket of equities, fixed income, cash alternatives, uh, alternative investments and real estate, you are diversified. Uh, real estate typically lacks business downturns by six to eight months. Um, so if there's a general drop in the economy, then the real estate will eventually fill that. Um, uh, and if the company bought at the high of the market, you can suddenly be under underwater with, with regards to the value of your property and what you paid for it. Um, the mortgage payment is still the same. The company may have to downsize, but your costs are still the same for your real estate uh, portfolio. And it's, it's hard to sell asset in a downturn as well. So if you're trying to use – real estate does follow business cycles. Um, so it's not necessarily a, a risk against that. And you also have to say if buying real estate makes your business operations riskier, you shouldn't do it. But if you're at a point where purchasing the real estate you know, uh, lessens risk or doesn't impact your risk profile – then you can look at that as a, a separate investment.
0: And, and I think what you're talking about is the operational risk exactly. of the company, right? And, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the way I interpret what you just said is that, is that one of the dangers is, is a business can undertake gymnastics that they would not normally undertake in order to get into the real estate game just because there's cheap money and they feel like that, that
1: there's a, a sort of a momentary opportunity. That sounds like a path to trouble, we see it a lot where when, once people get into their brain, I'd like to own something and build equity, they will do unnatural things to make that, to accomplish that, that may not be in the best interest of the business. So for instance, we had a, um, a service company growing rapidly up to 60 people. They were in a, they were leasing 2,600 square feet. People were literally on top of one another. The owner said, I want to go out and buy something. And we said, well, you're still growing. So let's lease 13,000 square feet for five years. That gives you plenty of room to grow. And then once you get to a point where you, you're stable and you're not growing, maybe that's when you buy a specialized site for your business. And he was, and he, and he, and I said, plus you're at the top of the cycle. So why would you buy now? There's no equity in it. Right. But, but buy high, sell low is
0: not a successful business strategy for most, right? Exactly. So, and, and you know, that gets to something that I encounter a lot, which is, you know, as you know, I do a fair bit of work in the emerging tech sector, right? And, you know, to me, buying a building when you think you're going to grow, right? Uh, and, and tech companies grow rapidly. They don't add two or three people, right? If, if once they catch, if they don't catch fire, it doesn't matter, but once they catch fire, they're adding people at a hundred at a time, right? Right. And, and you can't, It. It. Or I, can't, I wouldn't say you can't, but boy, it's got to be hard just to buy your way out of that problem every time through.
1: Exactly. It's like buying a 15 year old boy, a pair of $400 sneakers, <laughs> right? You'll be out of them, out of them in two months. Right, <laughs> right. So why do it?
0: Right. Yeah, Yeah. No, that's fair. That's fair. So, um, let me ask this a little bit off, off script, but what about the what about the lease-to-own deals? Do you see a lot of those? And if so, do they change the
1: dynamic at all? Oh, lease-to-own. I don't see a lot of that, um, not at, at a corporate level. You see that more so in a residential level where okay. people would do a lease-to-own. But um, now some people may lease and they'll have an option to purchase later. Yeah. Uh, if they, you know, if they think that they're going to really like to space, but you don't see too many of those. Okay. Um, what are some of the hidden costs owning the real estate? Oh, so those are capital improvements that you weren't expecting. Um, uh, let's, if you're, if you're in a building and, um, you decide you don't need all of it and you're, you have a vacancy. So now you're inefficient. Uh, maybe you did a floating rate loan or a swap loan, um, and rates are, are changing on you and they're, they're not going in your direction. We actually had a, a client that, um, when the rates right now, like if they were to sell the building that they're in, they'd owe $200,000, uh, versus if the rates stayed where they used to be, they'd get a check for $300,000. Uh, repairs and maintenance. Um, we did a, uh, project for a large nonprofit here in Atlanta that owned the building with very little debt. They had about $5 million in deferred uh, maintenance on the property. Um, They were trying to figure out what they they would do with the building. Um, They were in about half of it in 40,000 square feet with three tenants. They weren't getting any new tenants. And we did a study and looked at what their other costs were, including the maintenance people that they had on staff. And they didn't realize all the hidden costs in it. And we ended up selling the building for them, reducing their space. Uh, they got $2 million above what the market was offering. And then um, we, by reducing their space and making them more efficient, we saved them $3 million on their lease. So they were like, how did you make uh, leasing a building cheaper than owning a building and put $5 million in our pocket? Like, how did you know it was a lot of financial engineering? Just looking at uh, the the real estate didn't match your needs, you know, it financially or in even, even their people.
0: Well, and and that goes to knowing the real estate market, right? and Knowing what the what the market will bear and kind of what the terms are, and um, you know, being able to use that as as a negotiation point, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, again, it's you know, real estate is one of those things. It, it bears repeating; it looks easy, but it ain't. <laughs>
1: It is really not.
0: Um, so, how much should uh, an opportunity to acquire real estate as sort of a, as a good deal? How much does that drive, or should it drive the discussion? You know, maybe a, your buildings your, your building is just going to be sold. And maybe there's an estate situation, divorce situation something like that, and the seller's got to sell. So it's going to, if you can kind of do the deal quickly, it's going to go for below fair market or market value how much should that play into that lease versus buy decision?
1: Well, and I think we have to make sure that you, if your if your core business is your priority, as long as you check all the boxes and purchasing the, uh, the building does not impact your core business, which is really your breadwinner, then you can consider it. If it's a great deal, I mean, if it's a deal that, if for some reason you need to sell it or lease it out, and you could lease it out, say maybe seventy percent, and that would easily cover your your mortgage, um, you should consider it. You know, but if, if it's a if it's an arbitrage opportunity, you should consider it. If it's, if it's a great deal, you should always consider that. Okay.
0: And, and what about the argument that real estate it can be used as a as a way to diversify the assets of the company or sometimes the assets of the owner that, that, is, that is not necessarily that clearly separated from the company because it's sort of one and the same.
1: How compelling is that argument? So that can be a sticky wicket. It, it can, it can, it can also be a, a great strategy. Some owner, uh, company owners purchase the building and lease it back uh, to the company and let the company expense the rent payments while paying off the mortgage on the property. Then the uh, owner can personally tap the built up equity in the property without taxation if the owner expects to sell the company, then they may have to unwind or restructure the, their intertwined real estate in their business to make it attractive to the buyer. Um, that, uh, we were talking to a private equity firm out in California, and the owner sold uh, – they bought a business. The owner sold it to them, and uh, it was a 150,000-square-foot warehouse. They only needed 50,000. He had them as part of the deal sign a 10-year lease for 150000 so they were suddenly stuck with three times as much space as they needed. So and they were lamenting that they didn't make him unwind that. Mm-hmm. So you have to be clear if you're trying to exit your business and you now have some real estate obligations, it could affect your valuation.
0: Um. Now we we touched on this a little bit before, but I want to make sure that we address this explicitly. Um, how important is the is, is the Uh, the decision whether or not you need to kind of build your own custom real estate, right? We talked about customizing a building that you own, but now I want to kind of move kind of even a step further. Um, What about kind of building your own real estate versus buying something that may or may not suit you on the existing market? How often do you encounter that? Does that build versus buy
1: uh, change the business discussion at all? So it can, um, the um, if you're a movie studio and custom built, then it's really important to, to buy and build your own. Um, back to that one uh, client of ours who built their own building, um, they bought the land too expensive. Right now, uh, uh, construction costs are really high in Atlanta. If they had done that in 2010, much better deal. Cheaper land, cheaper construction costs. So what we found is that given the uh, cost of construction right now uh, the, with the steel tariffs and just uh, uh, the land costs. There's a lot of existing buildings that you can buy that are actually cheaper than, than building right now in this particular part of the cycle. And, 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 and it he, just depends on where you're in the cycle. Sure. Basically. Okay.
0: And, and I guess to some extent, too, if you can actually find someone to build the building, right, at the top of the cycle.
1: Right. It's, everybody's busy. Right? Everybody's
0: busy, right? So um, you don't even get on the
1: radar screen unless you have a big job to begin, to begin with. And, and, and for one of, the, um, one of our South Korean clients, we actually did a, a study of do you buy a building? Or do you build it? And it, it came out. It would be easier to buy a building, uh, existing building, uh, renovate it, and do what you needed to do next door, than to just build uh, from from green dirt. I mean, from a uh, from the ground up. I wonder if there's kind
0: of a conceptual benefit there too. You know, my, my my parents built a house, and they the thing that I learned from that process is I will never build a house because <laughs> it. it it, it seems to me that, that if you're trying to imagine a structure from, from the ground up, there's just nothing there today and then a year from now or two years from now, there's going to be a building. just seems like so many things can go wrong and they're just not going to be the way that you visualized or to make them the way that you visualize them is going to be prohibitively expensive along the
1: way. <laughs> Depends on where you are in the cycle. But yeah. you're, you have architects for that, architects yeah. and civil engineers, and they can deliver exactly what you want.
0: So are there any rules of thumb around a company's finances in terms of how much cash they have in the bank or how profitable they are or how, uh, I don't know, sort of reliable their profitability is that maybe goes into your calculus as to whether or not you advise a client to, to buy versus lease?
1: So in general, um, real estate as an investment, uh, I, I've read somewhere returns about 7 to 8% over the long term as a, an investment. Um if the business return, if your margins on your business are 20% and why wouldn't you invest that in your business if you still have the opportunity to grow? So people have to – people get, oh, I want to own real estate and it's going to it's gonna, – I'm going to build up equity. But if you can put that money into your people, um, if you can leave the risk of ownership of real estate to a landlord so that if you shrink or grow, you can go elsewhere – Versus now, I have a building and I have to do the capital improvements, and I have to pay the taxes on it, and I have to. And if I grow or shrink, it it stays the same. So that there's a business risk there.
0: Uh, you know, I want to I want to come back to that or, or stay on that actually because I, I think that's a very important point. You know, many of the, the many of the the drivers I see for buying real estate lie in something. Else, other than directly operationally imperative to the business, mm-hmm. right? Sometimes it isn't, and I think we've covered that. You know, rule number one is make sure that that decision is driven by the operational imperative, right. not because of something else that you want to do. And, and you know, there's there's no law that says if you have extra excess cash or even excess borrowing power that you have to buy real estate with it, right? Right. Or if you want to buy real estate, you know. Buy into
1: a REIT, right? You can get real estate exposure that way. Or buy an actual investment property that's not attached to your – to your. if you have extra cash, maybe you go and buy an, another real business that, or, 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 or um, a building that has tenants in it yep. and you manage that as a separate investment. But now you sort of link your business to your real estate and they're intertwined. Let's say you have partners in your business. There's, there's three or four partners and Ted decides to leave the company. And now he's, you know, you have to unwind the real estate side of it and the business side of it. And, and maybe Ted doesn't want to get out of the, the real estate side or, you know, you have to make sure all the uh, interests are aligned on the real estate side as well.
0: So uh, one other question I want to ask is, as we uh, move towards wrapping up here is a company can, uh, can accidentally acquire real estate through an acquisition, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And although I'm, I'm, I'm confident in most cases, a company isn't necessarily surprised that it owns real estate, but I think that I've certainly seen the case where the acquirer spends so much time performing due diligence in the company that they feel that the real estate is just sort of a side gig or a throwaway or something. And then all of a sudden you wind up owning it and. Maybe they should have done due diligence on that. So, or sometimes you're even forced to buy the real estate. The seller will not sell unless you take the whole thing, business and real estate. Um, how often do you see that? And in your, if you do see that a lot in your mind, is that a complicating factor in the M and
1: A process? I think I definitely think it's a complicating uh, factor. Uh, part of what Fred uh, services we offer is to come in as a part of that M and A process is to look at the real estate and say. Here are your trailing obligations from a real estate perspective, and here's how you need to account for that because either you're going to end up with some excess costs or some real estate that you don't need, and you maybe you should take, make that a part of the negotiation versus you take this, and suddenly you basically paid the uh, seller twice, and they, you paid them for the business. You paid them for the real estate, and now you you take the loss on, on the uh, real estate, and that's not a choice that you made. You actually came there for the business.
0: So um, if somebody wants to f- learn more about this process, they have a question about their own real estate decision they're looking at, how can they contact you?
1: Uh, pl- please feel free to email me at james.pitts, P-I-T-T-S, like in Pittsburgh, at fred-solution.com and love to hear from you.
0: All right, and that's going to wrap it up for today's program. I'd like to thank James Pitt so much for joining us and sharing his expertise with us and telling us about his company, Fred, Fractional Real Estate Department. We'll be exploring a new topic each week, so please tune in so that when you're faced with your next business decision, you have clear vision when making it. If you enjoy these podcasts, please consider leaving a review with your favorite podcast aggregator. It helps people find us so that we can help them. Once again, this is Mike Blake, our sponsor is Brady Ware, and this has been the Decision Vision Podcast. I'm